Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let's get into today's teaching. Greet you in the precious name of Jesus, and we are going to open up with prayer so that we can get on into the Word of God. Father God, we come now on this day that you have made, oh God, give me glory, give me honor, give me praise. Thank you once again for another opportunity, oh God, to open up the uh, Word of Life, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for the Word shall go forth on this day. We thank you for each and everyone who's listening under the sound of my voice, oh God. We ask you, oh God, that uh, you have your way on this call. Holy Spirit, move uh, like only you can move in our lives. Speak to us. Give us revelation. Open our eyes of understanding, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you now, right now. We come against any distractions, any hindrance, anything that would try to make uh, this word not go down our hearts. We come up against it now in advance, in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you. We glorify you, and we bless your name now. These and all blessed we ask in your son, Jesus, and we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, so, you know, we are still on this series entitled Spiritual Warfare Training. And last week, we were on part three of this series, Understanding Your Responsibility. Just a, a brief recap. We talked about how when you're dealing with fear, especially in spiritual warfare in general, but fear is a poor excuse not to have faith because faith is not in a person, but it's in God through Christ. And it's impossible for us to lose you know, when, we, when we have Christ in our lives. One of the biggest mistakes that we make as Christians sometimes is to believe that the real you is in your flesh. The real you is not in your flesh. The real you is in the spirit. And it's hidden in Christ, as we talked about that numerous times already. And that God never created your flesh to be able to make sense of the spirit. Oftentimes we try to make sense of uh, spiritual things with our flesh, but God never created your flesh to be able to make sense of the spirit. But he simply created flesh as a vehicle to transport your power around. And not only that, but we covered uh, three key responsibilities that you have in spiritual warfare. Number one was you're responsible for uprooting anything Satan's kingdom has established and establishing God's kingdom in its place. So in other words, wherever there's darkness, we're supposed to bring that light anywhere. Because, again, it's only two sides, God's side and Satan's side. Number two, the, the second key responsibility uh, you have in spiritual warfare uh, is you're responsible for the lives of others. Uh, and the third key responsibility in spiritual warfare was you must have faith. So that's just a brief recap of last week. So, of course, if you missed it, you know, make sure you go back and listen to the audio. But, again, it's, even if you did listen, it's good to go back and listen it so that it gets in you. So I said, like I said, it becomes a part of who you are. Okay, so today we continue. We're still going to continue on this series. And today we're now going to cover part four of spiritual warfare training. And tonight's topic is knowing your rights. Knowing your rights. So understand that as a child of God, you must know that you have a God-given right to rule on earth. First thing first, you understand that I have a right. You have a right to rule on earth. And you don't get to rule because of how great you are, but you get to rule because of how great your Father in heaven is. So you get to rule because of the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that you have in you. So understand, God did not ask you to rule and have dominion on earth, but he commanded you to. So you must take authority what God has assigned you. I'm going to say that again. Because sometimes we think it's an optional or it's like, oh, I'm just trying to make it back to heaven. I'm just want to get on through. But God did not ask you to rule and have dominion on earth. But he commanded you to. 
So you must take authority where God has assigned you. Yes, the enemy will attack, but those attacks will never prosper in your life as a child of God. Because the word says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So an attack of the enemy doesn't give you an excuse to roll over. It just, it's just a reminder that you need to take over. I'm going to say that again. You've got to hear this clearly. An attack of the enemy does not give you an excuse to roll over. It's just a reminder that you need to take over. You need to take over in the area that God has assigned you to, where he's planted you. You are expected to rule. You're expected to have dominion. You're expected to take over. He wasn't asking you. He wasn't suggesting you. And I say it time and time again. God does not make suggestions. He makes commandments. God was not suggesting that you do this thing. He was not suggesting that you uh, go forward with the vision. He wasn't suggesting that. He gave it to you because he's trusting you with it. He's trusting you with his baby. He said, I'm giving this to you, this vision I'm placing in you, and I'm trusting you with it. Because it's not your vision, it's God's vision. And he said, now can you be, let me see if you can be a good steward over it. Take care of my baby. You be a good steward over it. Okay, so again, he's not asking that you rule, and especially talk about spiritual warfare, you have to know your rights. Again, you have a God-given right to rule on earth. Okay, so you cannot effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare if you don't know your rights. You can't engage the enemy in warfare if you don't recognize and accept your power and authority. We've been saying this from, from, since part one. You have to recognize that you have the power of the Holy Spirit working and you doing work, and you have the authority of Jesus Christ that you're coming in. So it's the authority of Jesus Christ that demons must obey. Not just saying the name of Jesus, you have to understand you have that authority. And knowing that you have that authority, that's like say having that authority is just like arresting a demon. So you can arrest them in the Holy Spirit as the power to force to command them to leave, to literally take them out. And understand your rights. Again, you have to go back to accepting your power authority. And that's where we had a challenge area where some of you just couldn't grasp your brain around the fact that you have this much power and authority. Did you have resurrection power living in you because of the Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead? So we're going to keep repeating, and you're going to hear it over and over and over again until it gets down in you, until it's, it, it's you, it's, until it literally becomes you. We've been saying time and time again, according to the Word of God, that your life is hidden in Christ. Scripture says it. Your life and my life, when you accept Jesus Christ, is hidden in Christ. You don't have a life independent of Christ once you accept Christ. You lay down your will. You pick up God's will. Christ then becomes your life. He then lives through you. So you see, again, how much access of power that you have. Literally, Christ lives his life through you. But the difference is because your life is in him, it's him doing the work. You just have to keep showing up. So literally, Christ is living his life through you. And even that sometimes is a hard thing to grasp. Like, Wait a minute, he's living his life through me? Yes, you're a vehicle. Again, God sent you here to do his will. So Christ said, you know, Greater works you should do. We'll get to that a little bit later. But he's pretty much saying, look, I'm going to do the work through you if you just submit to me. That's why scripture clearly says that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, they say that we were bought with a price. Jesus' blood that he shed on the cross was the price that was paid for our sins that we to get us back in, in right relationship with God. Okay? And so because of that, you now, again, have access to the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the authority. Every demon must obey the authority of Jesus Christ, period. You're not coming in your power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that does the work, that does the healing, that casts out demons. That's the power. Again, going back, you have to accept it. You have to accept it that you have this power and authority. And then when you accept it, then now you can say, okay, God wasn't suggesting that I rule on earth. He was commanding that we rule on earth. 
So again, you can't engage in enemy warfare if you don't recognize and accept your power and authority. God gave you territory to have dominion in, and he expects you to handle business on his behalf. So if Satan strikes against you, you must strike back. So we already know that the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that. So we may as well be prepared. And sometimes you don't need to wait for demons to attack you. But you must attack them in the spirit if you see their work in your territory. If you see things that they're doing in your territory, things that they're doing around you, trying to cause havoc, trying to cause hell, trying to cause turmoil, trying to cause stress, depression, sickness, anything around you in your area, then you have a right to regulate things. You have a right to have dominion in that area because God is saying, look, there's darkness. I expect you to bring light because that's what, it, again, what the scriptures say. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. So if you are the light of the world and in the world it's darkness, then you are sent here to bring light because you came out of God. He sent you here to bring light. Satan is trying to make the world dark and evil, and etc., but you are light. You are walking light. You are literally light that you're supposed to shine in dark places. That's why scriptures say you are the light of the world. That's more pointing back to more of your power, more of your responsibility, because for so long we've been taught bondage mentality. You know, I got to depend on this person. I got to depend on, we need to, or, or you got more power than me, or, or you got more, you more anointed than me. No, we, we, we're dispelling that myth right now, all throughout this series. I don't have any more power or authority than you do. You don't have any more power or authority than I do, because the Holy Spirit is the power. So that settles that issue. I have the same Holy Spirit that you have if you accept the Christ. I have the same authority you have if you accept the Christ. But it's just a matter of our different responsibilities. Your responsibility is whatever your responsibility is. My responsibility is what my responsibility is. And that's why we all play a part. That's why Scripture talks about, you know, I can't say it to the hand. I don't need you. You know, we have many members, many members, but one body. And that body is the body of Christ. Okay? But at the end of the day, you are the light of the world. You came here to bring light where there is darkness. So again, God is not suggesting that you rule and have dominion on earth, but he is commanding you to rule and have dominion on earth. That changed the, pers the perspective because now that's putting more responsibility back on you. Okay? And so when you accept the fact that you have the authority of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, you realize that you were created to rule. How can you have the authority of Jesus Christ? Pretty much saying, I can come in the name of Jesus Christ. Because I have his authority. I have the power of attorney to use Jesus' name. I have the power of attorney to act on his behalf. And then I have the power of the Holy Spirit, which is resurrection power, which is healing power, which is delivering power, living inside of me. So when you have that, and remember when Jesus rose from death, he said, now all power has been given unto me. All power has been given unto me. And then scripture says that our life is hidden in Christ. So then if our life is hidden in Christ. Christ is our life. So, again, when he appears, we appear. We appear, he appears. So then all that power, all that authority, then you have to know you were created to rule. You were created to rule. You were created to rule. You were sent here where there's darkness to bring light. Where, where darkness entered, shall I say, where Satan brought darkness into the world, that you may be that light that God sent here. Okay? So, yes, you have flesh, which makes you sometimes lean towards the human condition. However, you are far greater than your flesh. Your flesh goes back to the ground when you die, but your spirit is either going back to God when you die in Christ or it goes to hell. So you may be a mere human in the flesh, but you are forced to be reckoned within the spirit. I'm going to say that again. You may be a mere human in the flesh, 
but you are a force to be reckoned with in the spirit. Because when we start looking at the human condition and we want to keep making excuses, oh, I'm just a little old wretch. Oh, God understands because he knows my heart. He knows, oh, oh, it's all right, baby. Oh, it's going to be all right. You just go ahead and, you know, we're human, so we're going to sin. You know, and then, and then still, so then you have all this, you know, focusing all, you know, making all these excuses for not being effective for the kingdom of God. You have power and authority to do anything on earth because, again, Christ is living through you. He's living through you because he's back in heaven with God the Father. But he still has to work here. That's why, again, we're here to do business for God. That's what our original reason being sent here. And we were in perfect unity, perfect, unity, perfect relationship with God when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden. They knew no sin within in the garden. They didn't know they were naked when they were in the garden until they were tempted by Satan, and they fell for the trip, except, the trick, and accepted it. And then that's how sin entered the world. That's how sin entered the world. But watch this now. Watch this now. Because this is going to mess up some of your theology. Sin entered the world because Adam and Eve was tempted by Satan, and they ate from the tree that God forbid them to eat from, the knowledge of good and evil. So that's like the eyes open to the knowledge of good and evil because before they, you know, like I said, they were naked. They didn't know they were naked. They ate from this fruit, this tree, uh, whatever the fruit was, and then they realized, oh, my God, we're naked. And then God was like, okay, who told you you were naked? And then, of course, then, you know, Adam started trying to put it back on Eve and, you know, taking them, you know, and all that. You know the whole story. But sin entered the world because of that. But watch this now. Jesus died on the cross to put us back in right relationship with God, to get us back to where we were in the garden. And when they were Adam and Eve were in the garden, they knew no sin. When they were in the garden, they were in perfect relationship with God. So if Christ is living through you, though the enemy may tempt you, Scripture clearly says that, that, that he, God always makes a way of escape. So you don't have to live a life of sin. Living a life of sin is a choice. You have power over sin because when Jesus died and went to hell, he took the key of hell and death from Satan. So that's authority. He snatched it from Satan. Satan once controlled, you know, those who died or whatever, they, they kind of waited, just kind of sitting there. But now that Jesus, when he died, now when we die, we go straight to heaven or to hell. Again, we talk about we were sent here to rule. Jesus died to put us back in the garden when Adam and Eve walked with God. They didn't even know they were naked. They didn't even know what sin was. They didn't even have a sin consciousness because of who they were in God. They came out of God. They were a piece of him. They were his breath. This is where his breath, but sin entered the world because they ate from that tree, listed to Satan, etc. But Jesus came back to renew that original covenant, of course, that he made with Abraham, etc. But he still came back to put us back in right relationship with God. Therefore, that means that sin is now a choice. The same way Adam and Eve ate from that tree, it was a choice because they knew what God said. People call, oh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one is perfect but Christ. Exactly. But if Christ is living through you, if Christ is living through you and, he had, and the Holy Spirit has folded man in your life, then that means you're going to walk blameless before the Lord. So you don't have to live a life of sin. That is a choice. Okay? And so, again, you may be a mere human in the flesh, but you are a force to be reckoned with in the spirit. Understand the two differences. So understand, you have a right to abundance on earth because you're seated in Christ and all things are in him. So you must stop accepting whatever is thrown at you. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the situation. If it's from Satan, you have the right, the power, and the authority to change it. 
So spiritual warfare is a battle over territory. But you must realize that the territory belongs to you because it belongs to God. The territory belongs to you because it belongs to God. So you're not some weak creation that God sent to earth. You are literally a king or queen on earth sent by God. So do the will of God here, and you will get to literally put on a crown in heaven. You will be able to literally put on your crown in heaven. So you must have a renewed mind to recognize that you are truly royalty. It's not a cliche. It's not just something nice to say to make you feel special. It's the truth. It's a fact. You are royalty. So if you don't know it, then you can't know your rights. So accept the fact that you're literally royalty on earth. Because keep in mind, where you came, that's why I said we're in the world but not of the world. You are above your rank. Your status is far above anything in this world because you are seated in Christ, far above all principality, power, far above any works of the enemy. You are seated in Christ. You are seated in Christ. So how can you tell me that you are not sitting here to rule? How you tell me that you're not sitting here to be a light in this world? How can you sit there and tell me that you're not royalty? So it's, it's good and nice it's cute to say it, but do you believe that? And not only do you believe it, but do you conduct yourself as such? Is it a part of who you are? And it's not a royalty where I'm going to be pompous and I'm going to look down on folks. It comes with a certain level of confidence that my daddy owns it all. It doesn't belong to no one. My daddy owns it all. It belongs to God. It belongs to me. We're going to get into your heritage a little bit later, but it just, just helps you to change your perspective and understand that you really are royalty. So it's only when you think independently of Christ that you see things like flesh sees it. That's what it's talking about having the mind of Christ. So it's only when you think independently of Christ that you see things like your flesh sees it. So you will win constantly in spiritual warfare when you use the right set of eyes. Don't use the eyes of the flesh, but use the eyes of faith. This guarantees the victory that has already been won. Flesh is just a punching bag in spiritual warfare. Flesh is just a punching bag in spiritual warfare. Flesh has been known to do one thing. Flesh has been known to do one thing, and that's mess things up. So get in the spirit to get things right. I'm going to say that again. Flesh has been known to do one thing, and that's mess things up. So get in the spirit to get things right. Again, your flesh is just a vehicle to get your spirit around, to move your spirit around. That's it. And earth is just a place for you to make spiritual transactions on behalf of the kingdom of God. This is your physical office on earth. Okay? So I'm saying this is a daily process. But if you discipline yourself through God's word, prayer, and worship, you will surely make it. Having peace is your right, and anything that disturbs it, you have the right to evict it out of your life. Some of you talk about, I don't got no peace. Having peace is your right, and anything that disturbs it, you have the right to evict it out of your life, period. No questions asked. No questions asked. You have the right to evict anything out of your life that disturbs your peace. It's simple as that. And so... There, there are many things that God has already promised. This is why it's so important to remain in Christ. If you step out of Christ, you step out of life because he is your life. Again, he is your life. God's not looking for fear because fear is an enemy of God. Fear brings God no glory. God is looking for faith, and he should find it in you. And there is never a time, never, ever, ever a time to walk in fear. 
If you walk in fear, you automatically know that you step way below your rank. So step back in Christ where fear is impossible for fear to exist. And this is the only place in Christ is the only place in which you can engage in spiritual warfare. Hear me clearly. It is only in Christ in which you can effectively engage in spiritual warfare. So you live in the world only to bring God's kingdom on earth. Watch this now. Praising God alone will never be an excuse not to do the work he sent you to do. Because there's folks who try to hide behind praise. Oh, I don't bless the Lord at all times. His praise is going to continue to be in my life. I'm just, I'm a praise. I'm great. You should be. Praise the Lord. We all praise the Lord. But praising him alone will never be an excuse not to do the work he sent you here to do. He sent you here to do some work. This is what the enemy wants to stop you from doing. Satan isn't concerned about you worshiping God. Hear me clearly. Satan is not as concerned about you worshiping God. He's more concerned with trying to stop you from carrying out the will of God because he knows that's where the real damage comes to his kingdom. He doesn't mind you getting your praise on, your worship on, but he definitely is troubled and bothered when you're carrying out the will of God. You are too powerful. Hear me clearly. You are too powerful. You have too much power living in you to bargain with the enemy. Make the enemy wish they never mess with you. Get back in Christ. So when you understand your kingdom rights, you will never live below your rank again. When you understand your kingdom rights, you will never live or think below your level or your ranking again. So, okay, before we get to the first scripture, three key rights. Three key rights you have in spiritual warfare. Three key rights that you have in spiritual warfare. Number one, the right to use the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The right to use the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, you have the right to God's will. Number three, you have the right to rule in your territory. Okay? And so as you can see, these rights are no small matter. These rights seem like common knowledge, like common sense. However, there's a difference in knowing about it, talking about it, and actually being about it. You have many rights in God's kingdom, but those rights can only be realized fully in your life when you know them and exercise them. Here's an example. On earth, you have the right to vote, but that right only truly holds value in your life when you actually apply it. So you have rights to all power and all authority over all works of the enemy, but it only holds value in your life when you know it and use it. Okay, let's go to John 17, verses 20 to 24. We're going to talk the first right, the right to use the authority of Christ and power of the Holy Spirit. John 17, 20 to 24. And it reads, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also be, may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and you in me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. For you love me before the foundation of the world. So here in this passage, Jesus was praying, and we see that there are, are two instances 
where he mentioned the glory God gave to him, Jesus also gave to us. So Christ is in us, and we're in Christ. Christ is in God, and God is in Christ. So although there are two individuals, they're still one in spirit. God and Christ, still one in spirit. So they're two separate beings. So he also said that he desired that we may be where he is. So when you accept Christ, you have the authority to use his name against the enemy, and in that moment, you literally arrest any demon. God's glory can also mean being attached to his kingly rule. Follow me here. God's glory can also mean being attached to his kingly rule, being attached to his kingly rule. So when you have Christ, heaven's rules apply, and heaven's rules say that there are no limitations. Therefore, you cannot be denied on earth. God's glory can also be revealed, seen, or something that appears. And sometimes it's also seen as the physical manifestation of his being. So we were created in his image, so we're in Christ, and Christ is in us, then we are the physical manifestation of God's glory in earth. The physical manifestation of God's glory in earth. That's what we talk about being glory carriers. That makes you a glory carrier who is attached to God's kingly rule. Okay? And so, hence, you're entitled to rule on earth. That's just more ways to remind you that you're entitled to rule on earth. And this also means that what is his is ours. And he distributed it among his children. So truthfully, we have the greatest inheritance anyone could ever have, which is God. We inherited God. To inherit God means we inherit all good things. So knowing this is powerful, but we must also be careful. To walk in this fullness is amazing, but Satan once walked in it and gained so much pride because of the power and authority that he had until he thought he was God. He wanted to go for himself because he understood it. He knew what he possessed. He knew what he had. But he was getting all, you know, all his glory seen. So that he wanted God's glory for himself. He was like, I want this glory. I can do it. I'm big and bad. So he began to think that he actually was God, that he was bigger than the creator. Okay? So God is the supreme king, and we are little kings, queens, who can only function because of him through Christ. So to have the glory of God, the world will have to acknowledge the power and authority. And some may still reject it, but they won't be able to deny the demonstration of power that took place. They won't be able to, not, to deny that there's something very special about you. They won't be able to deny the miracle signs and wonders that take place in and around your life and everywhere that you go. They won't be able to deny what belongs to you. So you either take your seat of authority as a child of God or have your seat taken. I'm going to say that again. You either take your seat of authority as a child of God or have your seat taken. So it's only through the power and authority from God through Christ Jesus that we can do his will. You can't do God's will without his power and authority. So you've been given the authority of Christ, and it comes with responsibility. And you expect it to use it anytime you see darkness. Anytime you see darkness, you're expected to use it. Anything not of God opposes God and is an enemy of God. So you're expected to use your authority to regulate things in your area of influence. All right, let's go to Acts 1. Acts 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts 1, verses 4 through 8. Again, that's Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. And it reads, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, 
when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we see in this passage an account of when Jesus was resurrected by the Holy Spirit. He appeared to the apostles and was among them over a period of 40 days before he was taken back up to heaven, just after his resurrection. So notice what Jesus said. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They already had some power because the Holy Spirit was doing the work around them. But now the Holy Spirit will come upon them, on them, as he is now on us and in us who accept Christ. So God's seal of approval in our life or on our life is the Holy Spirit. So when you get Christ, you get the Holy Spirit and access to all power. So nothing, watch this now, nothing can overpower the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Nothing can overpower the power of the Holy Spirit in you. If the enemy is beating on you, you must allow the Holy Spirit to beat on them. It's actually quite easy. It's actually quite simple. Stop thinking about it and start praying about it. You must let the Holy Spirit go to work in your life by decreasing what you think and look at what God says. And watch this now. Hear me clearly. It's tragic. It's tragic to be a Christian with all power living in you only to think that you have little power or that you're unqualified to carry the power. It's tragic to be a Christian with all power living in you only to think that you have little power or that you're unqualified to carry it. Thinking yourself out of situations. Thinking yourself out of walking in your power and your authority. And look at what Jesus said would happen after they received the power. He said they will be witnesses of Christ to the end of the earth. In other words, they would bring God's kingdom on earth. And the only way possible for that to be done was through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them. And the same thing applies to you and me today. If you have a power shortage, I assure you there's nothing wrong with the power. It's just a temporary disconnection from the Holy Spirit. You just need to check your connection. This is why Scripture talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit or not quenching the Spirit, etc. He wants to work in and through you, but you must give him opportunities to do the work because he won't force himself on you. You have to give him opportunities to do the work. That's why you have to go out there and witness, be witnesses of Christ. You are a witness of Christ. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, so that makes you a witness for Christ. The life that you live should be a witness for Christ, and you're going to impact many lives because of it. But you have to give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to be able to work through you. If you just want to stay behind closed all the time, closed doors all the time, how is the Holy Spirit going to work through you? Those are limited opportunities. So you have to create the opportunities by going out there so the Holy Spirit can do his work. If there's open doors, you've got to go out there and walk through the open door because there are open doors that God will open in your life, but you've got to go out there and walk. So it still takes work. It still takes a faith walk. You standing up and walking by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Walk is action. It didn't say we sit by faith, not by sight. You have to walk by faith, not sitting on faith, not waiting on faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. You got to walk. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. Stop putting things off. Stop procrastinating. Stop
stop allowing fear to, to hold you in bondage because fear, again, is an enemy of God. If it's an enemy of God, it's an enemy of you. You have the right to arrest it in the spirit through the authority of Jesus Christ, and you have the power to cast it out through the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about spiritual warfare. So, again, it's already there. All power lives in you. All authority you have, you have is in you. So it is your right to rule on earth. It is your right to have dominion on earth. It is expected of you to do it. It is expected of you to do it. So what's the excuse? Because it's not you not coming in your own power. If you were coming in your own power and your own strength, if I was coming to my own power, my own strength, we would be in trouble. We, we would be a punching bag for the enemy. But I'm coming and you're coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ is living through you. And in the Holy Spirit, it's going to perform the works, going to perform the miracles, going to go, uh, perform the signs and the wonders. Going to put the words in your mouth to encourage another. Put words when you pray for someone, they will recover. Because sickness is what? Darkness. It's not from God. It's not God's will that we be sick. That's darkness, so you have to bring light. Pain is darkness, so you have to bring light. But you have to go out and do it. You can't wait for it to come to you. You have to go out and do it. When you are going about your daily routine and you see darkness, it's your responsibility to bring that light. If you see someone sick, you see someone in the grocery store, some strange they could be on, 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 on a cane in a wheelchair, that's darkness. That's trying to attack their life. You bring light. You already know sickness is not in God's will. Depression is not in God's will. You can go lay hands and pray. You can go say, hey, it's all right if I pray for you. I believe God can heal you, et cetera. And you will get results because you're not coming in your name. When Jesus walked the earth, what did he do? He went from town to town, city to city, bringing God's kingdom on earth. Anyone who came across him, he came across that was sick. He healed. You have that same power in you. This is not just for the preacher. This is not for someone with a healing ministry. You have a healing ministry. We all have a healing ministry because it's God's will. Wherever there is darkness, watch this now. Wherever there is darkness, it's not God's will. God is not a God of dark. God is not dark. So where there is darkness, and Scripture says you are the light of the world, so you have to bring light there. You are the light of the world. So again, think about that Scripture. You are the light of the world. He said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So now he said, look, you can't be hidden. You can't be hidden. You might be trying to be in the background. You want to try to hide out. You don't want to be seen. Just let me be in the back. I don't want to ruffle nobody, fellas. I don't, that ain't none of my business. What's going on with it? That, that ain't none of my business. Oh, but it is. Because if darkness is in your territory, if Satan is trying to work in your territory, it is your responsibility to make sure he leaves. So actually, it is your, it is your business, very much so your business. On your job, if there's hell going on, on your job, it's very much so your business because it's your assigned territory. You have to bring light. Okay? All right, let's go to point two. You have the right to God's will. All right? The right to do God's will. Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28. Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28. And it reads, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shared for many for the remission of sins. So in these verses, we know Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, which we call communion. And the bread represents Christ's body that was broken for our right to divine healing. And the red juice of wine represents the blood that he shed for the remission of our sins. 
So he died in our place to get us back in a right relationship with God. This was the new covenant. The passage contains every aspect. This particular passage contains every aspect of God's will for our lives because of Christ's sacrifice. And God originally established a covenant with Abraham and all his descendants, including us, because we're descendants of Abraham. The covenant was that the covenant was that God would always be our God. So I always be your God. You always be my people. And Jesus restored the covenant that Satan tried to destroy through sin. And now we have the new covenant in which we now have access to this covenant through accepting Jesus Christ for being the sin offering in our place. So we must first realize that we're in covenant with God. We must also have an understanding of what covenant means in scripture. Oftentimes when we hear covenant, it's, uh, it's the belief that uh, it's a binding contract between two people who agree to do specific things. However, that's not necessarily the case in this particular point. We talk about this covenant. Although humans made covenants with other humans, it was different when God made a covenant with humans. Humans had the type of covenant that was negotiated in a, a negotiated agreement. So if two humans made a covenant, it was a negotiated agreement. However, God's covenant in the Old Testament that he made with humans are benefits that would be given by one person to another. Okay, follow me. So God's covenant, covenant that he made with humans are benefits that will be given by one person to another. God's covenant with us is a one-party guarantee to another. It's an arrangement in which the superior party, which is God, presents to an inferior party, which is humans, and we choose to accept it or reject it. So it's, it's an arrangement, a one-party guarantee that God set forth before us, and we have the right the choice to accept it or reject it. However, we can't take anything away or add anything to it. We can't add no addendums to this covenant, this contract, etc. You can't add it. It's, it's a one-party agreement that we choose to accept it or reject it. Nothing can be added or taken from it on our, on, our, on our part. So accept God's will in your life, not Satan's. Satan wants you to think it's God's will for you to be sick. Satan wants you to think it's God's will for you to be lacking. But the devil is a liar. He's a liar. He's a father of all lies. So God made a guarantee to us. It was not a negotiated contract. God's will for your life comes with many guarantees. And if you do it, there is absolutely no good thing he will withhold from you. There is no good thing that God will withhold from you. That is the word of God. And the Hebrew word for covenant is pronounced barith. And the Greek word is pronounced diasyke. So this particular new covenant Jesus spoke of was like a last will and testament of things left to us, which is an inheritance. It's talking about our inheritance. So it also refers to a pledge or arrangement that is a one-sided promise. So God made the terms. We just choose to accept or not. We choose if we will accept Christ and walk in faith or not. God gave us a simple choice to either choose Christ and walk by faith or choose to walk by flesh. Therefore, you should follow Christ and answers will follow you. Follow Christ and answers will follow you. That's why he said, look, God said, look, I present to you life and death, blessings and cursings. He said, choose life. So our covenant with God through Christ is a promise. We have an inheritance. And inheritance is spiritually, from a spiritual aspect, uh, inheritance means to receive an irrevocable gift, an irrevocable gift. 
with an emphasis on the special relationship between the benefactor and the recipients. So your inheritance, my inheritance from God is irrevocable, which means it cannot be changed. It cannot be reversed. It cannot be revoked. It is irreversible. So there's nothing that any person, any demon or thing can do to change it. That's why you just need to accept it. When you accept it, the power and authority comes with that. Accept that you have the power of Jesus Christ. Accept that, that you have the, uh, po- the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ. Accept it. Let it become a part of you. Therefore, you will never live in fear another day in your life because you will understand that your life is Christ. Your life is hidden in Christ. Christ is your life. This inheritance is based on a relationship between you and God. So in warfare, spiritual warfare, you need to understand that we're in covenant with God through Christ. So you're with the winning team. So in knowing this, you must make demons in your territory uncomfortable and force them out because your, re- because your reward from God does not belong to them. Your reward from God does not belong to demons. Your wealth does not belong to demons. Your health does not belong to demons. Your peace of mind does not belong to demons. Your joy does not belong to demons. And these was what God gave you. Okay? So you have to literally engage in warfare and take it back. Your God-given assigned territory is part of your inheritance. And it's your divine right to have it down the line. Relationships, family, etc. These are your rights. Okay? Let's go to John 14 and 12. John 14 and 12. John 14 and 12. Just one verse, and it reads, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So Jesus made it clear. This is a familiar passage of scripture, but watch this now. Jesus made it clear to the disciples, and it applies to us today. The works Jesus himself did on earth, we will do. And we will do even greater works on earth if we believe in him. Notice that Jesus said, we will do it. He didn't say you might do it. It's possible that you do it. You can do it if you want to. You can do it if you think you have enough faith to do it. You can do it if you think you have enough power to do it. You can do it if you think you have enough authority to do it. No, 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 no. He said you will do it. So we're living way below our position in Christ if we aren't doing the works on earth that Christ did because he said we will do greater. I'm going to say that again. We're living way below our position in Christ if we aren't doing the works on earth that Christ did because he said we will do greater. So therefore, you just need to do it. If we submit to him, we will do what Jesus did on earth and even more because he was on earth a shorter time than most of us have been or will be. We will also do greater works because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. So Christ lives in and through us. Christ will finish what he started through you. What Christ started, we are to finish on earth through his authority and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. So again, it's not you coming in your own power and authority. It's the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit doing the work. So what are you afraid of? Go and do it. Go out and pray for the sake. Those you come in, come in contact with, those that are struggling, pray for them. And on top of, oh, I'll go someplace. If they're in your presence, pray for them right there physically in your presence. Put your hands on them, and they will recover because it's not your power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that will heal. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will cast out demons. 
It is the power of the Holy Spirit that will deliver them from an addiction, whatever it is, mind issues, psychological issues, emotional issues. Where there's distress, you can bring comfort. Where there's chaos, you will bring order because you're the light of the world. And Christ is doing the work through you. So that's an exciting thing. You should be excited about that. That shows you how much responsibility we actually have, but it takes the pressure off of you because all, all you have the responsibility, all you really need to do is show up. All you really need to do is show up. All you need to do is just do the work. And the power will, will, will take care of itself. The power, would, the Holy Spirit will do the work himself as you allow him to do it. But you have to put, place him in position to do it. Like I said, if you just sit behind four walls all day and you don't want to do that, don't want to go anywhere because you feel, like, oh, it's just whatever. I didn't want to do Okay, no. It's your territory. You have to go there and let your light shine in the territory God has assigned you in. Okay? And so, again, it's expected that children of God to do great works on earth. And you're qualified because Christ qualified you. You're qualified because Christ qualified you. So that takes this whole, oh, I need to do that. No, no. You are qualified because Christ qualified you. You are qualified to go about and do the works that Jesus said that you will do. You are qualified. Your words may not be my words or the next person's words, but guess what? It's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. So there's a power. There's still power attached to those words. You don't have to say it like I say it. The point of the matter is the power will do all the talking. You just have to show up. And no demon in hell should be able to push you aside. You've been pushed around long enough. God's kingdom invades earth because we are part of his kingdom. If you want Satan and his demons to back off, use your power and authority. And you must gain endurance in spiritual warfare because you aren't just putting out fires in your life. But the real work is doing it in the lives of others. And every time God uses you to do his will is a great work you just accomplished on earth. Every time God uses you to do his will is a great work you just accomplished on earth. It's a great work. Every time God used you, you just did a great work because you're bringing God's kingdom to earth. You're bringing light to darkness. So that alone makes you successful. You are already successful. When you're doing the will of God and you're doing, you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, you are successful. And the best you is still to come because every time God shows up in your life, it's better than the last time. All right, let's go to number three, our last our last point, our last key right that you have in spiritual warfare is the right to rule in your territory, the right to rule in your territory. Let's go to Revelation 5, 8 through 10. Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. And then we're going to end with Psalm 24 and 1. So Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. And then after that, we're going to go to Psalm 24 and 1. All right, Revelation 5, again, verse 8, it reads, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on earth. And we shall reign on earth. And we shall reign on earth. So this was part of the vision revealed to Apostle John. Because of Jesus' death on the cross in place of our sins, we're redeemed and have the opportunity and the right to rule and reign on earth through Christ. Hence, we're kings and priests. And as I say time and time again, we say kings 
They're not talking about gender specific. They're talking about all of God's children, male and female. So we're kings and priests. So we're kings because we can rule and have dominion on earth. We reign on earth because Christ is in us. We're in Christ. This alone makes you the living manifestation of Christ on the earth. You are the living manifestation of Jesus Christ on earth. Your life is hidden in him. You have his authority. He sent you the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is the power. He said, greater works you will do. He said, greater works you will do. That makes you the living manifestation of Jesus Christ on this earth. He said, you are the light of the world. That makes you the living manifestation of Jesus Christ in the earth. He's working for you. So it's your responsibility as a ruler on earth from God's kingdom to enforce order in your assigned territory. It's your responsibility as a ruler on earth from God's kingdom to enforce order in your assigned territory. So this takes that, that whole picture that's a pain of, of, of you just some wretched little lamb, some you little lamb, I'm just, I'm just here, I'm just trying to make it back to heaven. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. No, you're, you're, you're a somebody. You're a king and a priest. You have power and authority. You have access to all power. So, so you have to understand, wake up to who you really are. It's time out for thinking that you're just mere human. You're not a mere human. Your flesh is just a vehicle to get your spirit around. Your flesh is just a vehicle to get your power around, the Holy Spirit. Do you realize what you have access to, to use in every situation in your life? And here you are accepting the report that is sitting in front of you. You're accepting the doctor's report. You're accepting the negative reports of others. You're accepting what your finances look like. You're accepting what this situation looks like. You're accepting what your relationship looks like. You have a choice to accept what you see with your physical eyes or to accept what you see in the spirit through your faith in God through Christ Jesus. And there are no limitations in the spirit. So it's changing your mindset, knowing that you're in Christ. You've got to get back in your seat. You have to get back in your seat because, again, I say it time and time again. God is not getting off his throne. God has not left his throne, but he uses us to carry out his will on the earth. Why? Because we're his children, and we're entitled to what comes with being his children. You're entitled to what comes with being a child of God, and our inheritance is God, and God is all things. He has all things. The earth, everything belongs to God. So your reign on earth for God will be a great one. Because your obedience to God ruins the plans of Satan. So we are also priests because we can go to the throne of God and pray for ourselves and for others. That's what makes you a priest. You can go to God directly. In the Old Testament, they had to go to the priest, and, and the priest had to make all these sacrifices for the people, and they had to go, only the priest could go to God for them. But now we are priests because we can go to God for ourselves. So we're expected. You are expected to reign on earth. And as the revival is here, the renewed church, the kingdom church, will once again Gain the attention of the world in many arenas. God's glory will manifest in such a way that many will not be able to deny his power. Many will be converted. Many will be healed and delivered. Many will be renewed and transformed, and you will have something to do with it. That's why you got to do the work. That's why you got to show up. Fear is not an option. Fear is an enemy of God, so it should be an enemy of yours. If you're willing, God will use you to transform people and places around you for his glory. If you are willing, God will use you to transform the lives of people and places around you for his glory. Jesus did not die for you to fit in, but he died so you could rule on earth. God's kingdom does not fit in, but it stands out because you are a standout. 
our last passage, Psalm 24 and 1. Psalm 24 and 1. It simply reads, For earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So the fact that the entire globe belongs to God lets us know that as children, we have an inheritance. So that means we have territory assigned to us to possess and rule and have dominion in. Not that we're glorified, but that God is glorified in the earth. So it's part of your job to remind demons that nothing belongs to them. And you show them by taking back anything that they stole. And this basic principle helps us understand why Satan tries to fight us for territory that belongs to us because he has no inheritance. He's trying to steal from us. So he tries to kill, steal, and destroy what rightfully belongs to you, what rightfully belongs to me. So it's a battle over territory. If it even seems like Satan is trying to mess with what's yours, you're expected to use power and authority to put him in his place. So we see it in scripture and in war during our age, our present age. When an army invades another territory and they win, they have jurisdiction and control over the territory that they conquered. And the enemy has been waging war against us. But now it's time we wage war against the enemy and rightfully take our seat of authority. It becomes very difficult for demons to steal from you when you're in your seat of authority and are aware of what's going on around you. Very difficult for demons to steal from you when you're in your seat of authority and are aware of what's going on around you. So again, the three key rights you have in spiritual warfare. Number one, the right to use the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, you have the right to God's will. God is your inheritance. He is our inheritance when we accept Christ. And in him is all things. Everything belongs to him. Number three, the right to rule in your territory. And again, as I said at the beginning, he's not suggesting that you do it. It's your God-given right to rule on earth. He expects you to it. He commands you to do it. Okay? So I will close this on out in prayer. Father God, we come uh, once again, O oh God, to the end of another Bible study, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for the word that went, f- went forth on this night, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for each and everyone who listening to it. I declare that the word shall go in their hearts, O oh God, that the seed of this word shall go in their heart, O oh God, and it, and it shall take root, O oh God. And I come up against any attack of the enemy, any seed the enemy will try to sow, to try to take this word out of them, to try to make this word uh, uh, go away, O oh God. I declare it shall go in their hearts, it shall go in their minds, O oh God, and it shall become a part of who they are, O oh God that they shall be the kings and priests that you have them be on this earth, that they shall rule and reign on this earth, O oh God, and have dominion, O oh God, as they as they continue to be lights in this world, O oh God. I declare they should continue to be lights in the world. They got to bring light to darkness, O oh God. I thank you, O oh God, for peace in their life. I declare joy in their lives, O oh God. I declare prosperity in their lives, O oh God. And, O oh God, you know what they stand in the need of, O oh God, for you see so you had the very care on their head numbered, O oh God. So I thank you for their lives, O oh God. I thank you, O oh God, that they shall be witnesses to Christ in the earth, O oh God. And I thank you, O oh God, for the territory that you're giving unto them, O oh God. And I declare that they shall rule and reign in their territory, O oh God. I declare that peace, O oh God, shall be in their territory. I declare that they shall restore order in their territory, O oh God. And I declare they shall not walk in fear, but they shall walk in faith, O oh God. And I speak life into them now. I speak life into them, O oh God, that they shall go forth, O oh God, with the bonus and the confidence of walking in the things of you, O oh God, that they will know that their life is hidden in Christ, O oh God, and that they have power and authority to do your will on this earth. So we thank you. We bless your name now, O oh God. We give your name all glory, honor, and praise. These all blessed words, your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So God bless your heavenly smile upon you. Remember that you are the breath of God, and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle Green signing out.
God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Good night. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.